Hey there traders, looking to take the guesswork out of trading and only 10 minutes a day? Then you need to head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com right now, where you can get our five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading in only 10 minutes per day. And the only place to get that is at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. Today's episode of the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast is sponsored by FinClub.ai. FinClub.ai helps you take the guesswork out of trading. Now, what do I mean by that? They actually use artificial intelligence and advanced algorithms to bring you the best stock picks on a daily basis. And it's one of the tools that we use at 10MinuteStockTrader.com because they really do deliver the best stock picks that I've seen anywhere. It's absolutely unreal. Just looking over the last week of trading, they have win rates that are 88%, 92%, 93%, and 94%. I mean, it's fantastic and kind of scary how well that this program works. And these are some of the tools that the big Wall Street banks use. And FinClub.ai has made it available to you and everybody through your phone, through your computer, through your iPad, anywhere you want to have it. These artificial intelligence tools are yours to use to find the best stock picks out there. Now, if you sign up for their service by April 1st, 2019, you're going to be getting huge discounts. I mean, big discounts, kind of like they might be losing money by having you on the service by using these kind of discounts. But even after that point, they're still going to be offering some awesome discounts when you use the code 10MINUTE. That's 10-M-I-N-U-T-E. Make sure you use that code so you can get these giant discounts. And you're probably skeptical, right? How is there going to be a service that offers these awesome stock picks for a really great price and at the same time, you know, people like me use them, people like Wall Street banks use them. But you know what? They have a 14-day free trial. So go out and try it and see for yourself. See if you can actually use this in your own portfolio because I'm pretty sure you're going to find some awesome stock picks. And whenever you see how well that they uh, hit those target numbers that they're putting out there, it's going to freak you out because it freaked me out the first time I saw it. I emailed the developers there and I was like, this is unreal. You guys are about to become billionaires. And they're like, yeah, we know. So... Get in the service while you can, because honestly, I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't think it's going to be around forever because it's so good. It's going to be scooped up by a VC firm or a Wall Street bank, and then we're not going to have it anymore. So sign up while you can, essentially, is what I'm trying to tell you. And make sure you use the code 10MINUTE, that's 10MINUTE, and you will be just as blown away as I was by FinClub.ai and their artificial intelligence platform. Hey there, 10 Minute Traders, and welcome back to the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast, brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com. And today, we have the legend, Steve Burns, back on the line one more time to talk about his book, 50 Moving Averages That Beat Buy and Hold. And trust me, I've been really looking forward to this interview. Steve, thank you for coming on the line today. This is the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast, brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com, where we give you the tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And here's your host, voted one of the top 100 people in finance by Redwood Media Group, founder and head trader of 10MinuteStockTrader.com, Christopher Ewell. Hey, thanks for having me yet again, Chris. I appreciate it. Steve, I can't tell you, I have learned so much in the, uh, the last few months, uh, working on the podcast, working with you, and growing uh, the presence on the internet so much more than I did in the last nine and a half years of trading. It's incredible. That is great to hear. Man, it, and a lot of it, honestly, has to do with uh, changing mindset. Um, and that was what we covered a lot of in New Trader and New Trader 2, uh, New Trader Rich Trader, 
and uh, New Trader Rich Trader too. Uh, the the idea of you know cutting losses early, letting winners run, and not being emotionally wrapped up in any one trade, yeah, that has been a game changer for me. It really has. I'm great to hear that. I mean, that's like one third of trading is psychology. Oh, without a doubt. So this book, I was really keen on uh, getting my hands on, and I'm linking the description down below so that everyone listening and watching the video can get their hands on this as well. Uh, it's on Amazon, and it's very inexpensive for the incredible amount of data that Steve has put into this. And uh, I had several questions, and I'm sure you'll have some of those questions too as you're reading it. And I want to make sure that um, we get a chance to ask Steve these questions and really get the full understanding of all the work that he's put into this incredible book here. So Steve, let me start by saying, first off, thank you for having made this book. <laughs> It is the book I wish I would have had a decade ago. I would have really loved to have had a uh, trend filtering uh, signal filtered uh, back test uh, data points to look at a decade ago. It would save me a lot of trouble. Oh, I can only imagine. I, I, I'm I'm thinking the exact same thing, especially as we've talked about before. That stupid freaking gold trade last year, because <laughs> um, I know without a doubt that. Um, I would not have gone long on it because of the moving averages shown in here. And in fact, I can demonstrate on, let me find it here. Uh, there's a section called moving average signal cross or moving average crossover signals. In here, Steve has a chart of IWM. IWM is the small cap ETF. And I've traded IWM a hundred times. In this particular example, really stuck out to me. Because the 10 and 50 moving average in this particular trade here, uh, or this particular chart, uh, crossed to be in a, in a bearish orientation and was the exact moment that I went long IWM when it started to fall apart at the end of 2018. And I, I recognized that chart and I'm like, you, how, I cannot, uh. So I'm thinking to myself, if I had only known Steve last year. Do you know how much more money I'd have right now? <laughs> That's funny how you can look at stuff historically. When I do historical uh, back testing and even look at study historical charts, it's funny to look at some key moments and turning points. And if if I was doing the wrong thing, you know, ten or twenty years ago, look at that and go, wow, that's pretty clear on that on that signal. And I just had an opinion that it has to bounce here. It has to do something here when there was just an opinion. It wasn't a quantified uh, data point. You know, that's really, really well said, too. Uh, one thing that, that you mentioned in this and then also in your new Trader Rich Trader series is uh, not being predictive, but being reactive. Um, in fact, that's what Steve's first line in the entire book is, is trend trading is reactive to current price action and doesn't try to predict the future. Yeah, I learned a lot of that from Michael Covell, you know, the author of Trend Following. It's one of the one of my key books that really changed the dynamics of my trading, where he actually says uh, trend followers are, are the guys that use uh, reactive technical analysis, not predictive technical analysis, not trying to map out what's happening in the future. They're reacting to the present moment signals that they're getting in their charts. And that was a huge game changer for me. And that's how so many of the trend followers made so much money, even uh, – you know, the Red Sox owner, I think, uh, said Henry, uh, Mark, that, uh, the Hen Henry, the guy, John Henry that owns the, 
Boston Red Sox that does Moneyball now for his uh, thing. He made enough money to buy the Boston Red Sox with his trend following. He was on the right side of so many crashes that he actually uh, made a fortune. Whoa, I had no idea of that. The uh, the Texas Rangers better watch out. Let me put it that <laughs> way, then. <laughs> uh, and to Steve's point, I have been extremely guilty of trying to predict the way markets will go. Um, before reading this book, on my charting platform, I had uh, I had some moving averages. I had RSI. I had MACD. I had Slow Stochastic. I had... Uh, PSAR. I had like uh, I had a whole bunch of crap. Let's put it that way. Uh, and and I'm trying to look at all of them. And I'm like, okay, this means it's going to go bearish, or this means it's going to go bullish. And not actually looking at it from a reactive standpoint of prices telling you this, you do that. But more of like, I think it's coming. I think it's about to turn. I got to get ready. I got to get in front of this train. This train's about to turn around. <laughs> It reminds me of high school in the 80s where we used to write – I mean I mean, the kids nowadays wouldn't even realize this back. We used to actually write code in high school for like the old computers where we'd have like line 10. You know, is that's the question, yes or no. And we'd have line line 15 or 20. If yes, go to this. If no, go to this. Sort of like a binary decision tree. And I think that's where people can really change their trading if they can get to that where they have a – I think it's called Boolean logic, where you make decisions based on current things going on and you take a path based on reacting to circumstances. Totally different than, uh, goodness, probably 80, 90 percent of traders actually do, even some professionals. That's that's really clever. Uh, I, I like the idea of it being somewhat of a computer programmatic uh, reactionary if this then that type of trading setup. That That's definitely much more my style, especially as, as we've talked about before. I don't want to be stuck in front of a, a screen all day long. Uh, but if I can have an idea, you know, if price is showing it's going to go in this direction, maybe not for long. And that's another thing we're going to talk about here in a minute. Maybe not for long, but it may be for a while. And mm-hmm. price is moving this way. Why not jump on board while it's going? Yeah, the path of least resistance is the easiest way to make money in the markets. Mm-hmm. Without... If people, oh, are bidding up price, <laughs> if people are bidding up a price, you know, you want to be on the side of the trend on the upside. If uh, there are no bids going higher, if it's going lower, you want to be on the either be in cash or be on the right side of the flow of the capital. Like Paul Tudor Jones said, the whole world is nothing but a flow chart of capital. So you just want to be where the money's flowing and money hmm. always flows for uh, returns. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Safety are returns. That's where people are going. So in the book here, Steve talks about the basic principle of trend trading is to go with the flow. It may sound familiar. He wrote it down in here in black and white, (laughs) highlighted with uh, yellow. (laughs) Go with the flow of the trend in a market. Take calculated entries that have a chance to capture a big profit or exit with a small loss. Yeah, that's a big thing people miss is the risk reward ratio. You know, if you're mm-hmm. if you're wrong, the most you ever want to lose is one percent of your capital. But if you're right, you want to make two percent on your capital, three percent, four percent. I mean, whatever you can make. You just want to have that great asymmetry going with small, small losses and big rewards. That's really the key to profitable trading. Everything else is just details on how you do that. Right. Absolutely. Um, I'm writing this down because I'm going to put it in the show notes. The key to profitable trading. <laughs> That, that could be the title of this. Uh, <laughs> it could be the title of this podcast. I like that. So, Steve, as we're going through here, um, what what Steve has done is he has picked 50 moving averages 
that beat the uh, the standard index, and and he has shown quantifiably so how they do so. Um, throughout this book, he he shows. Uh, I I just have this one pulled up for example. Um, the QQQs, uh, simple moving average on the day of the cross uh, over the two the two the QQQs over the 200 simple moving average. Uh, just buying and holding that versus buying and holding uh, the Qs outright. Uh, so every time it crosses above the 200 moving average, going long. Every time it crosses below the moving average, uh, exiting the trade. Not going short, but going to cash, as Steve mentioned. Steve, why would you go to cash versus going short? If you look at uh, you know, backtesting, if you want to have a really quick way to see how shorting the, the, the U.S. stock market, you know, that's what my studies are based on. I'm not talking about other stock markets, but the U.S. stock market, the bear markets you know, last on average nine to 18 months, maybe. And the bull markets last uh, like about nine years, sometimes 10 years longer. So you know, when you're long, that's why buy and hold works well with indexes. When you're long, you're on the right side of the long-term flow of capital. All those stocks have have executives trying to keep the stock up. They have customers to serve. You know, they have people fighting aggressively to keep the the stock market up with the stocks inside of it. The short side is going against the flow. You know, it tends even the bear markets themselves when they're when the short side systems are profitable, you generally get back as much as you would have made during the bull markets because of. Mm. Bear markets are so volatile, so choppy, they can have 10, 20 percent rallies even inside of bear markets. It's much more difficult for the long term flow to be short than it is long, much easier process to be long versus short because that is the long term flow. That's what I found shockingly based on back tests. I would be happy to make money short or whatever. <laughs> you know, the best use of short is in individual stocks that are have a have a problem, their technology's gone or their business model is antiquated and they do go into distribution mode. But even then, they're also very volatile, very choppy. Look how long it took for Kmart Sears to finally go down. You could have been short that thing for years. It made no mm-hmm. sense. But over the long term, the bull bias in the U.S. stock market is the edge. And that's why, you know, that's why buy and hold itself works. Very interesting. Okay. And like Warren Buffett says, you know, the easiest way to uh, beat – most mutual fund managers is just <laughs> buying the S&P outright. Yeah, and if you really want to if you want to beat the S&P, the best way to beat the S&P is to use a double leverage ETFs and to use moving averages over the Ooh. long term and you can even beat the S&P, but yeah, the, the S&P uh, can beat most uh, the vast majority of mutual fund managers and hedge fund managers for that matter. Their 2 and 20 expense fees also eat into the capital when you're paying Two percent of your profits, twenty uh, percent of your profits, and two percent of your capital and management that also can eat up your uh, returns. Yeah, absolutely. And and to Steve's point on that, none of the trade examples here took into account any commission or fee structure associated with these. Uh, did did this take into account dividend reinvestments? Uh, yes, in the back testing on okay. AZTF replay, they do take into cons- into account di- dividend reinvestments, but they do not. They do a uh, they do an adjusted for splits and dividend back test. They do adjust the, the prices. They're, it's not unadjusted. It is adjusted for splits. And okay. Dividends. Great. So uh, it makes more – it works better that way. So how did you pick the 50 moving averages uh, for this this book here? I mean there there could be potentially millions of different combinations. How did you narrow it down to just these 50 here? I actually started with elbow grease and just started with key ones and back tested maybe, gosh, maybe thousands of moving averages over the long term 
a few years of just seeing what worked and what didn't work over and over. But you also have to key in on indexes, indexes, uh, sector ETFs, and uh, that's the starting point. You go to indexes, you go to you go to sector ETFs, and then you also go to like the biggest alpha generating stocks. You know, uh, you know, not exactly, but about 80% of stock market returns come from about 20% of stocks. So you can look at those key monster winners too. Mm, so that's why okay. I started with the, the watch list. You have to start with a very specific watch list. And then the key areas I really start with now is a 520 crossover, a 1050 crossover, then a 200 and 250. Those are where I start, and then I can adjust from there to see what does and doesn't work across the, the watch list of names. It's really fascinating to do it in real time and see you know, what just doesn't work and what doesn't trend. Right. So what was the criteria that you used uh, in order to be considered? Were you, just, were you just going like, okay, the two over the four doesn't work, the five over the six doesn't work, the five over the 25 may work? Uh, did you yeah, just go I, through uh, mathematically like that? Yeah, I went through even numbers. I did like a 1020. Okay. If that didn't work, I'd go a 1030 or I'd go a 530 or I'd go a 1040, and I would see what worked. And generally, though, if you have none of those work, then you, you don't have to drill down into like eights and fives and sevens and, and sixes. You know, if the round numbers don't work, it pretty much shows that nothing's going to work around that time frame because it's not filtering enough volatility or it's not having enough trends historically. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So you wouldn't have gone from like a 10 over 50 um, to like a 12 over 46. That just wouldn't have entered your radar then. Okay, no, that makes done, sense. Yeah, I would have done a 1050. Then I would have I would have done an EMA. Then I would have done an SMA. Uh, then I would have done a uh, maybe a 1030, a 520. You know, like you said, I would just stick around round numbers in that zone because if it doesn't work at all, if something works really well, then you can you know adjust a few numbers. But I stuck with even numbers. And okay. five digits. So you mentioned uh, EMAs and SMAs. And, and in this book, Steve briefly mentions that a simple moving average is essentially the price over the last X number of periods uh, evenly averaged, whereas an exponential moving average gives more weight to more current prices, and therefore it causes the exponential mover moving average to move faster. Because of the differences there, they can have different entry and exit uh, signals that you could be provided with if that's your particular strategy. Which do you prefer, Steve, the simple or the exponential? I prefer whatever makes money on a specific chart. But uh, <laughs> there are there are different because some some markets that move faster, if they move faster, the EMA generally works in faster moving markets like a QQQ and EMA will work better and a, and a simple moving average might work better in the uh, small caps or the Dow because of the speed of the movement. You'd have to have an EMA to really get in and out fast enough to really capture moves in a fast-moving market or ETF, and a slower one, something that sort of just chugs along. So uh, the EMAs seem to work better in faster-moving stocks and ETFs and sector ETFs, and then the slower ones seem to be better for ones that slog along. So it really depends on the market itself. They all have different personalities of trends over the long term. So as we're going through the book here, uh, talking about the different indicators and signals and crossovers and things of that nature, these are some of the, the things that you use in your own trading plan. Is that correct? I use some specific ones. Like right now, I'm up, I think it's 9 or 10% in the IWM, uh, the 1050 crossover in my IRA. And I am up uh, DDM. I used a, a 1050 there. I think I'm up almost 8% uh, 8, 8 or 9% or so in the DDM right now. There are several that I do use in my live trading. The 1050 is my core trading. I also use the longer term, the 250 and the 200 for entry signals as well. So I don't use all of them. I do use the key ones that fit in with my watch list. Okay, very interesting. All right, so on that topic, do you 
when you're looking at these, uh, obviously it, it sounds like you're looking on the daily time frame, and this book is written on daily charts. Would you also apply these down to uh, smaller time frame charts, hour, 30 minute, 15, five, even one minute charts? Yeah, I personally would not. I have retired from the day trading game a long time ago, uh, thanks to some success in longer term position trading. But uh, but for this book, it really a principal takeaway from this book is the quantitative nature of the signals itself. So people that do want to day trade, they want to do long term trend following, you know, they can use the principles of the book to, you know, to back test their their daily time frame or their multiple day time frame or their monthly chart or whatever. I think the principles are applicable to every time frame just not everyone has to have their own time frame they want to some people love to day trade love to get in there for eight hours and watch the screens and and catch the tiny little moves with big big dollar amounts you know if that's what they want to do i think the same principles can be used in that nature like why are they are their daily intraday signals working right that that makes total total sense and that may go back to more of what steve was saying is looking at the historical trends and being reactive versus predictive. Uh, whereas on a day trade, you may be trying to be more predictive because the moves are so smaller, uh, nailing that entry point in or out uh, versus on a long-term swing trade like these are that Steve's talking about. Uh, you don't have to be as precise because you're planning to be in it for more than a few minutes at a time. Uh, I've actually had uh day traders contact me and say they dropped the some of these signals down to a 10 uh you know a 10 hour or a uh i'm talking a 10 minute or a 50 minute uh, crossover intraday and use them and they worked like off the same principles because you know the big win small losses work on whatever time frame you just have to adjust for position sizing right interesting okay so one thing that i noticed and i was kind of surprised by was that some of these were extremely long-term trades. Uh, I I don't remember which one in particular, but I remember seeing one that had average days in trade was over 400 days in the trade. What do you do if you're looking at the chart? It's it's already met the trade criteria maybe a few weeks ago, maybe a few months ago. Do you then adjust or do you just move on to the next one and wait until that cross comes back around? The, uh, you know, the book is really geared towards long-term trend follower traders or as an alternative to buy and hold, giving a way to get out and not be eviscerated in a bear market. You know, I personally <laughs> have <laughs> – everybody's been there if they've been trading yeah. enough. I have – I uh, personally, I will take profits when we get into a 70 RSI zone where something becomes extremely overbought and reverses back onto the 70 or I'll use a trailing stop like I might enter the IWM on a 10, 50-day crossover. And as it trends and then it goes back under the – I'll use a trailing stop for the 10-day standalone. So if it crosses back under the 10-day, I will go ahead and lock in profits and I'll look for uh, other opportunities in other markets. So – Personally, I do have exit strategies to lock in profits. I will at times hold a trade for one or two months even now. If the trend's just so beautiful and it's just running and there's no reason to get out, I will let it run as long as possible. But I will use trailing stops to lock in some of these. Uh, I use the entry signals, but I manage the trade. I manage the stop trailing stop. I manage the profit target. I do myself manage the trade based on the quantitative entry. So the entries that I use are quantitative and I enter, but I do manage the trade as it goes to maximize wins and minimize losses and to exit with some nice profits when it's time to. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, so recently after reading this book, uh, I was playing around with some of these moving averages and I had put the, uh, 
10 and 50 exponential moving averages uh, to work, essentially. And uh, I found a trade in gold. Well, gold, GLD, has already crossed its 10 and 50 uh, moving averages a couple weeks ago. And gold had a little bit of a sell-off, and gold had um, basically hit the 20 exponential moving average. And I was like, you know what? I think Steve may be onto something here. So I was thinking, this may be an opportunity, maybe a little pullback to uh, the 20. That would be a good opportunity for me to enter, and uh, has turned out to be so. Uh, so maybe that would be an opportunity for for uh, getting in. Maybe having that that 20 versus uh, the the 10 and 50 have already crossed. So the uh, the stock price have moved down below the 10. It's still in a nice uptrend, uh, but now it's come down, hit the 20, and bounced back off. Would that be something that would make sense to you? Yeah, that, that's what I really talk about in my moving average 101, just using moving averages to manage the trades once you're in. You know, when you look at the GLD chart next time, look at the five-day, 20-day EMA crossover, and uh, look at the 20-day as the uh, end-of-day support. It is uh, shocking how uh, how well that worked out. I mean, there was it was hard to manage because of the big bearish reversal candles. But if you look at the GLD chart, you'll see the five-day, 20-day EMA crossover uh, signal for the entry and how the trend ran, and then it it pulled back the 20-day EMA as end-of-day support. So that was a fascinating study for a chart. And hmm. once it broke over the 200-day, it just trended. Yeah, very very interesting. Okay, so how do you tell if 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 the moving averages are crossing? Um, one example would be XRT. If if the uh, audience wants to go look that up, XRT right now has uh, the the 10 and the 50 and the 20. It's weird. They're all like in a straight line on top of each other, and they're kind of like playing back and forth on either side of uh, of the moving averages. So nothing, no trend has really been been shown from that. But how do you how do you decide when it is going to start a trend versus uh, just chopping back and forth? Well, you can use it either discretionarily. You can see, you know, did the crossover happen? You know. Uh, at a good lower RSI, like is the market not overbought? Did the crossover happen in a more better risk reward ratio if it happens when you're oversold and not too overbought? And uh, also, you can do mechanical. You just take all the crossovers, and uh, eventually you have the big winner, and you manage the trade. If it keeps going higher, you hold it. If it pulls back under one of the key moving average, you can exit. So really, you can enter all of the all the signals mm. and then manage each trade reacting to what is happening to maximize the win. Okay. The really whole point, like the GLD, if you look back at the GLD, you had a bunch of small losses with the five-day, 20-day crossovers where they didn't work out. So you had like a small loss, a small loss, and then all of a sudden you had an explosive uh, trend if you use them mechanically. So that's the thing. You can use these signals as a mechanical. You're just going to take the trade regardless and see what happens and manage the manage to maximize and wins and minimize losses. Or you can use discretionary you know, filters like – and I do use a 70 RSI or the um, – you know, or, you know, how is there a range before the cross? If there's a range before the cross, it can increase your odds of a trend. Now, there are ways to uh, filter for more dynamics in your systems. The moving average book really wanted to give you just the framework to see, you know, mm. quantified data for how trends can be uh, captured. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And to Steve's point, using these systems, man, this is one of the, the most fascinating points that I took away. The, the win rate could be low in fact i was mm -hmm. just scrolling through here looking through these i only saw one or two or three that actually had a win rate greater than 50 percent uh but what steve is saying is that 
if you use this approach, getting in and getting out with the crossovers and everything, it may cross over and then it may cross back the other way and then that's your exit signal. And then it may cross up again and, and you get long and then cross back the other way. Uh, and then maybe on the third or fifth or 12th time, uh, it crosses over and then it takes off. And you've got to have your portfolio prepared and ready for that. So you may have six or eight losses in a row of this strategy before the ninth one potentially uh, comes into play and 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 it's off, off like a rocket. I think Paul Tudor Jones really uh, quantified the risk reward ratio. One of his quotes, he actually says, you know, he can he can have a five for one, uh, one for five risk to reward ratio and only be right 20 percent of the time and still be profitable. And, uh, you know, he, he said he could be an idiot and still make money. And Paul Tudor Jones, one of the greatest traders of our generation. I don't think he's had a losing year in 20 something years, which is unheard of. But so if you had a five, if you had a one to five risk reward ratio, so if you lost hundred bucks, lost hundred bucks, lost hundred bucks, lost hundred bucks, and made five hundred on your fifth trade, you've lost four hundred, made five hundred, and you're still up mm-hmm. a hundred with a with a twenty percent win rate with a five to one risk reward ratio. Yeah, and that makes so much sense. Uh, and and uh, this is the kind of stuff I wish I'd known sooner. You know, um, instead of the the buying something and hold 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 and hope or whatever they call it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, whereas there, there's no, there's, there's no mathematical quantitative approach to say, Hey, uh, you know, thing, things are going your way when, when you're staring at the face of, uh, of several losers there. So yeah, really, really interesting and very useful to me, uh, as I'm reading through this and certainly would be useful to, to all the audience members there. It's the principles that are really powerful. It's the principles to create something you are psychologically comfortable with doing, whatever that may be in whatever market and whatever time frame. Really, it's the principles that are powerful. Um, most people who didn't have the patience to sit and have a 10-day, 50-day crossover and hold it for a few weeks like I do, that could be frustrating for some people. And other people might you know, have an end-of-month signal. People love the spy into 200 day end of month if it's above it you go you stay long if it's below it you you go back to cash you know some people that you know used to be buying holders think that's a really active trading system so you have to have something that fits your own belief system and you believe in you have faith in that you can do whatever you can actually execute is what really matters yeah and you just you just mentioned one of the questions i had was this end of month signal that's the first time i've heard of that now to me i'm thinking okay i've got a basically a three Three percent of my month uh, would be devoted to potentially making a trade or not making a trade. Essentially, either stay in or get out. But you're only looking at it one day a month. Um, and surprisingly, that did well. Like I that that was the biggest shock to me is that you could look on just the end of the month day to determine in or out. Um, the, but the result the, on that was really good. I think the power of that is, you know, if you're in a bull market, you're not doing anything. Just let the bull market run. And we've had uh, this is, and these and all the data is from the entire 21st century. This is all from January, whatever the first day of trading was, January 3rd of 2000, all the way until the book was published. This is 21st century trading with all the high frequency traders and the Internet and the and the cheap brokers and all the stuff people complain about. These back tests were done 21st century. So people can't say this is stuff that, you know, doesn't work now. So uh, it's but like you said, it's the bull market. That's where you make the money. If you just bought Amazon and you and you you bought Amazon and you traded it with moving averages, you made a killing. I mean, if you bought the the spy, used some leverage and held it uh, for uptrends, you're making a lot of money. You don't have to go down. You don't need 20 screens and uh, uh, you know check watch every tick and spend nine hours in front of the screens every day to make money in the stock market. That's 
not what the vast majority of the millionaires and billionaires did to make their money. Here on the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast, we give you the tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And I think the smartest thing you could do is open a new brokerage account with Tastyworks. Tastyworks is a brokerage platform that I use and I recommend. The commission structure is absolutely unbeatable at $1 per leg total. Now, if you sign up for a free Tastyworks account using the code 10MINUTE, that's 10MINUTE, I'll give you $150 in free 10-minute trader exclusive bonuses from 10MinuteStockTrader.com just for opening a free account at Tastyworks. Remember to use the code 10MINUTE, that's 10MINUTE, when signing up for your new Tastyworks account today. Right, right. And, and, and to make it as like simple as possible... Steve has the uh, the SPY 200-day simple moving average end of month price crossover. Okay, so here it is, right? The the market 200-day end of the month. Okay, that's it. That's the only three things you need to know. This one, the average days in the trade was 562 <laughs> days. That's that giant bull market he's talking about, and the return was 400 437%, which is like more than double uh, the comparison results over that time period. And that's literally looking at it one day a month. If it is uh, above or is <laughs> under the, uh, the, the uh, 200 simple moving average, it doesn't get easier than that people. But, yeah. but a lot of people are really excited to trade and want to be like super active traders, right? They, they won't be making six trades a day, Steve. What do you tell those people? I've I've been there and I've done that. I've done everything you can 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 could make up and think to do in the markets, and I just wanted to do what made money. I could care less. You know, if I need to go sit in my screen all day for eight hours and make money, I'll do that. If I need to, uh, you know, need to you know sit on sit on some uh, great stocks for a year, I'll do that. I don't care. And when I didn't care, that really when breakthroughs came. You know, too many people just think they have to be doing something and working to you know actively doing something to make money. And my best gains happen when I was holding the right position and letting it run for weeks and months at a time and uh, sometimes for multiple months. And, and I wasn't in front of my screens all day. I was just, Oh good. You know, Apple's up today. That's great. And go about my life. Mm -hmm. And that's just, you know, plus you gotta look at the, the cost of your life. I mean, how much would it cost to pay you? You know, your, your profit margins hurt. If you're spending 50 hours a week trading, you have to account for the cost of your life, spending 200 hours a week actively trading. Are you making enough money to justify that activity? That's something people also overlook. Yeah, that's that's a really, really great point. You know, how much time are you devoting to this? I have a much greater profit margin, you know, because I'm an end of day trader and I have been for a long time. And I have a much better uh, re return on my time and energy by not having to sit there for nine hours a day. So when you say end of day trading, does that mean you're you're pulling up your platform in the last hour or so and you're checking to see if things have crossed? And if they have crossed, that's your opportunity to to enter or to exit. Is that what you yes. mean? Yes. Yes. And, and oddly enough, the same thing, uh, Ed Sakota, one of the, I think he averaged about 40% a year for 20 something years. One of the most successful traders. He was also an end of day trader. Hmm. Uh, Nicholas Darvis made multiple millions back in the sixties. He was an end of, he was actually a telegram trader and, uh, Tom Basso, a market wizard. He trades end of day. Uh, there's, and a lot of the trend followers, you know, end of day. It's, it's a lot of people that are, that, that make decisions based on long-term trends. You know, I'm not the only one. It's a very common thing for a lot of very successful traders. And a lot of people blows their mind that I could, and I'm taking a one day of risk on 
And another interesting thing is if you look at the uh, – I'll have to send you this uh, infographic. that Most of the returns over the last uh, 20 years have come from overnight. A lot of the returns come from the futures markets overnight and really? gap-ups in the stock market. Almost all of the returns come from overnight. You have to take on overnight risk to really get those returns. Interesting. Okay. Uh, and, and, and you're getting into that at the end of the day. Yes. Yeah, and you're, gotcha. you're holding overnight. That's where a lot of the you, – the, you really get rewarded for the risk you take on the market, and most of the really best risks you have to take on is overnight. Mm-hmm. That's where a lot of the returns actually come, the overnight futures markets. You know, Same thing with commodities. They get traded overnight in the futures markets, and all the commodity ETFs always have all these gaps in the charts because they're being traded all night, and the stock market's only open in the morning mm-hmm. Right during market hours. So that's another fascinating thing I need to put in a future book. Okay, Steve. So one thing you mentioned in the book, and this leads into my final question, talks about whenever the signals uh, light up, whenever the crossovers happen, whenever you're looking in the last hour of the day trading, you said in the book here, and I want to get just some more clarity on this, entering and exiting a position on the first day of trading isn't recommended because the results will be skewed with the initial bad risk-reward entry at elevated levels. What I took that to mean is the day that it does cross may not be the right day to enter. Is that the way that that uh, that you had intended it? No, I think that's a misunderstanding. I think okay. I don't know if that's even it was supposed to be. You know, you don't want to chase it. You want to enter it when the signal is given. You don't want to chase it later. Is what that was supposed to have implied. Okay. Okay. So if it happened three weeks ago, that doesn't mean it, right. it's a great choice today. Okay. That, right. That exactly. Makes more sense. Okay. Yeah, at, the, at the point of the signal, it. It triggers. This is your entry point. You know, if it runs against you five percent up, you know, then you've skewed your risk reward ratio. Mm, okay. Now that makes a lot of sense to me. Okay. So if it does, if the crosses do happen today, is today the day to to jump in, or do you wait for a tomorrow candle to confirm the uh, the cross, or do you do you just go in for it today? Now, based on the book, it's mechanical. Those are all just – you take it. If it closes right. three cents over, you just take it and you go with it. There are times okay. where I'll have a SPY break over the 200-day in my trading, and the, and the RSI is at 68, where it's overbought as it is. So mm-hmm. the risk-reward ratio for the for the RSI does not give me optimum entry, so I will wait. There are, there are some things I use for discretionary. I do have filters around those moving averages, but the way the book is written is for mechanical execution. But, yes, I do use – different uh, risk reward ratios and, and RSI and some dynamics of chart patterns as well in my own personal trading. Okay. Yeah. I had heard that before uh, where when, when a signal does occur, you need to give it at least one or two days to confirm rather than jumping on right ahead. But what Steve does is if that signal occurs, he also has other indicators that he refers right. to and it's a confluence of agreement here before he's right. ready to jump on in. Okay. Exactly. A confluence, you know, break over the 200 day and the RSI is at 35 is ideal. You know, breaks it, you know, if historically the RSI finds resistance at 70 in the spy and you have a breakout at 68, that's generally not a good risk reward ratio. All you can hope for is a melt. Ah, now, if I'm, already, if I'm already in from 40 or 50 RSI and it's at 68, then my trailing stop would be if it closes over the 70 RSI. And then it closes back under the 70 R side. Then I would lock in the profits there as a trailing mm-hmm. stop, you know, as well as a shorter term moving average. I'll move up my trailing stop to shorter term moving averages based on those mechanical long term trend following signals. So there are discretionary elements. All right. That that actually really helps round out the whole picture here. Right. Steve in this book has given us 50 different examples of how you can beat buy and hold. 
Um, and by doing that, it's just a few moving average crossovers, essentially. If the price is over this or if uh, these two moving averages cross, going in at that time can lead to uh, outsized market gains that he's shown here. He's, he's quantifiably proved that to be the case. Um, and then Steve also, like I said just a minute ago, he's rounding out the picture here to say, if this does occur, if it does have the breakover, one way that you can skew the results even more in your favor is to see if there's a confluence of indicators that agree with the, the going long or the exiting position. And there are no short indicators in this book. Everything that Steve's talked about is going long once a certain opportunity happens. And the opposite side of that is holding cash. I've said before, yeah. cash is a riskless position. There's no no shame in holding 80% cash if you're not comfortable with what the market's giving you. And a good way to see the destruction of the short side for the U.S. stock market is look at the leveraged short ETFs. You know, if you try to backtest them, they're all destroyed, so you can't really backtest them. You know, if you look at the uh, triple leverage energy ERY or the uh, – was it SD, the SDS for SPY? If you look at the leveraged short ETFs, short ETFs get obliterated, then they have to reverse split over and over again. Uh -huh. know, they might have their day in the sun in 2008, but uh, long term, you know, they are destroyed during uh, during bull markets. And trying to create moving average signals, you know, you should be able to use short ETFs to do that. But you can't because they're destroyed. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and you know, something you said earlier that uh, that I, I certainly will be taking away from me. It's that Steve's given you the key to profitable trading here, but it's up to you to decide what indicators you're going to use, and certainly making sure that your your returns are much greater than your losses. Because uh, I've been there, making you know, making the buy and hold and hope versus the uh, the buy and hold and and have a good strategy for exiting. Uh, exiting with profits or exiting with tiny losses. One one uh, one post that Steve has has put on Twitter several times, and man, it hit me right in the chin when I was holding gold. He said, "Your trade should either be a giant win, a small win, um, or a tiny loss. There should never be a giant loss." And I think a lot more people need to understand that you know it's okay to have a win rate much less than 50% if your returns are much greater. Yeah, the, the major key to profitable trading is are, is big wins. The major cause of unprofitable trading is big losses, and that that's what you have to manage. Yeah, and and I think the management is really about your ego versus the stock <laughs> price when that happens. <laughs> yeah, the the tools of every trade entry really once you enter a trade, it comes with the management. You know, where's your stop loss to keep it small? Where's your profit target or your trailing stop to make it big? And each day making a decision to maximize those gains, minimize those losses. Mm -hmm. Really, it's the trade management that really you are your edge when you're able to manage your trades properly. Wow, well said. You are your own edge when you can manage your trades properly. I love that. We should make a t-shirt on that, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Steve, what is our next book in the series? Hmm, I've written a couple. wonder what uh, we could do. Uh, <laughs> Let me go through the library real quick. <laughs> Trading Habits would be a fascinating one. That, that covers habits. so much. Okay. Great. So I will link uh, in the description down below uh, a link to Trading Habits, our next book with Steve. Uh, I'll have links to this current book, the 
50 moving averages that beat buy and hold. And I'll also put links down below to New Trader Rich Trader and New Trader Rich Trader 2. Um, and all of those books are available on Amazon. And make sure you click the links down below. Steve, hey, listen, thank you so much for coming on uh, on the podcast and, and helping us all learn more uh, about how to improve our, our price action skills and really sharing this incredible amount of wisdom that you have developed over, it, it seems like close to like 50 million years of trading, right? <laughs> that's that's pretty close, right? Yeah, I think it's over 25, 26, something like that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So this guy is the guy you want to come to whenever you've got questions. Make sure you check out Steve's website. Steve's website is newtraderu.com. He goes into a lot more detail versus what's just in the book. And I was uh, checking his website out today, in fact, uh, researching a little bit more about these moving averages. So Steve, again, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Chris. Been great talking to you once again. Oh, my pleasure, man. Hey, and and uh, thank you so much for tuning in today's How to Read Stocks and Options podcast. Make sure you come back tomorrow for more tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And I'll see you on the next episode. Hey, thank you so much for listening to today's How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast. I know you're a listener, but are you a watcher? Make sure you head on over to YouTube, type in 10 Minutes Stock Trader, and subscribe to the 10MinuteStockTrader.com YouTube channel. Every week, I upload all the podcasts as full videos, and that way you're getting the full 10-minute trading experience. That way you can have all the tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter. Make sure you subscribe to whatever podcast app you're listening to, and leave me a five-star review if you don't mind. That would be fantastic. And whenever you're done with that, head on over to 10MinuteStockTrader.com and download the one-minute options trading quick start guide. It'll give you all the tools, tips, and tricks that I use in my own portfolio, and it never gets outdated, and it will apply to every single options trade out there. So I think it'll be pretty useful for you. And while you're there, check out the free portfolio page. That'll show you everything that I've traded over the last year in full transparency. And since you're on the website already, check out the free trading course. In this free trading course, I give you every single thing that I know and use in my own portfolio, and I definitely think it'll help you out too. And then after you're done there, head on over to tastyworks.com and sign up using the code 10minute, that's 10-M-I-N-U-T-E, and I'll send you over $150 in free 10-minute trader exclusive bonuses from 10minutestocktrader.com. And most of all, thank you so much for letting me be a part of your day. I really appreciate the fact that you and I have connected today and that you've chosen to put me inside your earbuds. That means the absolute world to me. And thank you so much for stopping by. 10MinuteStockTrader.com content is for information and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendation that any security, futures contract, options contract, transaction, or other financial instrument or strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities can involve high risk and the potential for total loss of any funds invested. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell, through its content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. Investment information provided may not be suitable for all investors and is provided without respect to the individual investors and audience's financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. TimInstockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell are not in the business of trading securities trades, nor does it direct client commodity accounts or give commodity trading advice, tailored to any particular client situation or investment objectives. TimInstockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell are not licensed financial advisors, registered investment advisors, or registered broker-dealers. Stocks, options, futures, futures options, and other financial instruments not included here involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. You alone are responsible for making your investment and financial trading decisions and for evaluating the merits and risks associated with the use of any financial security and broker platform. 
For more information, please visit 10minutesdoctrier.com legal. And thanks for stopping by.